Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. Amen. Wow. Beautiful day. Beautiful, beautiful in here. Hey, yeah, uh, just a fun little thing that I wanted to, to do today. Next week is the, actually Super Bowl Sunday. That doesn't matter because Colts aren't playing, so nobody cares. But since nobody cares, we're going to make it flannel shirt Sunday. So if you have a flannel shirt, wear it. doesn't have to be red and black. You can wear any color you want. Chris and I are cool. We wore our red and black ones today. So, you know, that was cool. But everybody wear your flannel shirts next Sunday. Let's, let's come together. And it'll be fun just to do something together like that. So do that. That'll be neat. Uh, looking forward to that. I also want to remind you, uh, tell you about another thing that I need you to pray for. Daryl Young has found some, had some bad news about some health problems. And he can sure use our prayers. And so pray for Daryl as you think about it as well. You remember what I told you last week? The last thing I said to you last week, those of you who are here, do you remember the last thing I told you to do? I reminded you, I told you to sniff each other. Remember that? I said sniff each other and see if you smell like Jesus because I said that the truth is, is if you're really filled up with Jesus, if everything in you is filled up with Jesus, you'll taste and smell and act like Jesus. So if we're filled up with Jesus, Jesus is just going to leak out of us everywhere we go. We're going to love people even when they're unlovable, because Jesus did. We're going to be like him. Uh, That thing that Rich gave us, we are a chosen people, but it also adds we are a royal priesthood. Priests serve each other. We're a royal priesthood. And the way you serve each other is you love each other. You, You learn to love each other. And sometimes that's not easy to do, but we do it. And I believe that's true. If you're infused with Jesus, if if Christ lives in you, if the Holy Spirit is living in you, You'll just be what he is, and the essence of Jesus is love, and so you'll be love. Everywhere you go, you'll be love. And, and I know that sounds really weird in the world we live in today, and there's some of you going, well, you just don't know the people I work with, and you don't know the neighbors next door, and you don't know my wife, or whatever it is, but Jesus says you love them, and you become like him. So when we're filled with Jesus, we're not just sort of a little different. We've been given this completely new life in the Holy Spirit. We're not the same person as before. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians when he said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, or if Christ is in anyone, he is a new creation, and the old is gone, and the new come, new has come. And that, that's the truth that I want us to look at again today. Let's pray. Father, again, I just invite you, your presence into this place, and I invite you to take your word, and I invite you to break it in our hearts and break our hearts with it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. See, I believe that one of the reasons that Christians fail to thrive in the world that we live in, and our title for the month has been uh, Thriving, Not Just Surviving in 2020, and I think the reason that Christians fail to really thrive is because too often we see our conversion experience as just a cleaning up of a few things, or maybe turning over a new leaf. Anybody understand what I'm talking about on there? Let me know if you understand that. But it's much more than that. Paul says, no, the old has gone and a new you has come. And the question is, what do we do with the new you and me? What do we do with us? 
How do we live now as this new creation that God has given to us? And so in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, I want to read to you some, some uh, stuff that Peter writes, and he's writing to a church that is being persecuted, and he's writing to a church that's struggling, and he's trying to get them to understand some things so that they won't just thrive or uh, survive. He wants them to thrive. And, and so it says this, and I'm going to read it out of the message, and then I'm going to read it out of the, tra uh, the, uh, the, the uh, Passion Translation. So uh, that one will be, the second one will be up there. But the message says it this way. So clean house, make a clean sweep of malice and pretense, envy and hurtful talk. You've had a taste of God. Now, like infants at the breast, drink deep of God's pure kindness. Then you'll grow up mature and whole in God. And the Passion Translation says it this way. So abandon every form of evil, deceit, hypocrisy, feelings of jealousy and slander, and in the same way that nursing infants cry for milk, you must intensely crave the pure spiritual milk of God's Word. For this milk will cause you to grow into maturity, fully nourished and strong for life. One of the things we as Christians and as the church must do to thrive is that when we are saved, we have to work out our salvation. We need to work out. The Bible says, work out your salvation. We have to work out our salvation. And a lot of people don't really understand what that means. I want to kind of help you with that a little bit here. Too often, we're not allowing this new life to really become our reality and change us. We say it happened, but we're not living like it really has happened or changed us. We're not letting it make us into the people of God that he wants us to. You've been redeemed. You and I have been redeemed. And we've been redeemed for a purpose. We are to be the holy temple. We are that royal priesthood that I just mentioned. We are a holy nation, a nation that God has put together. And I'm not talking about America or, or England or anything like that. I'm talking about a holy nation, a group of people who united together, believing in Jesus Christ, become a nation on this earth. We are that nation, okay? We are his people. So let's look at our passage. Peter paints a picture for us of a newborn baby. And when a baby is born into the family, there are some things that have to be done to take care of that child. We just had a, a baby born about four months ago. My fourth grandchild uh, was born, my second grandson. His name is Jameson. He's really cute. He's got great big giant eyes, and he's just a handsome guy. And I put, pulled out a picture of myself, and man, he looks like me, man. He is one <laughs> handsome dude. I, I just love it. You know, he's great. Um, but anyway, when you have a baby in your house, when you have that, you have to make sure that there's two things that happen for sure. One is they have to have food to survive, right? Anybody disagree with me on that one? And number two, we have to make sure the baby's kept safe and free of anything that might, that might cause it harm. We're very careful to make sure nothing causes it harm. That same thing has to be true if we have spiritual babies or if we're just starting off or if we've started off a long time ago but just have never grown into the thing that God wants us to be. If we're going to thrive, we have to do these things. Uh, Peter points out to us some things. So, so he says, some of us have allowed our past. Here, here's something you need to hear me, hear clearly, because I have a feeling I'm talking to doubt. 99% of you, maybe even 100, uh, here, here's what we've done. Some of us have allowed our past. We've allowed our wounds. We've allowed the sins of our lives, uh, our past hurts, the past conflicts, the past hang-ups to continue to live in our lives after we're forgiven. We're walking around with all that garbage going on inside of us. Okay? And these are dangerous to us. They will kill you spiritually. If you allow those things to continue to live in you, they will kill you spiritually. Secondly, some 
let's face it, most of us, are not really feeding on and living out what the Scripture teaches us. We're not really taking it in and feeding on it. We, we see it casually. You know, we're, we're kind of secondhand consumers of the Word, you know, through Facebook and what somebody says up here, but we're not taking it and eating it like we should. We, there's several places in the Old Testament where, where God tells the prophet, take the scroll and eat it. And that's what we need to be doing. We need to literally be taking it and eating it, ingesting it. Now, it's not physical ingestion, but spiritually eating the Word and, and chewing on it and ruminating on it and rememberizing it and, and I don't know what the others are. And uh, we need to listen to it and let it change us from the inside out. See, if when we're saved, we continue on as though nothing has changed in our lives, living as we did before, if we don't work out our salvation we'll end up right back where we were or, and here's the bad news, it'll even get worse. Because if you leave all the junk in your life, even though you've asked Christ to forgive you, that junk will continue to eat away at you and will tear you up inside. So Peter's first words after telling us about the grace of God being revealed to us and making us holy is to say, now get rid of malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Those are the those are the five things that he told us that you got to get rid of in your life. And these sins are a danger to you, he says. So Peter's concerned about their effects, so he says get rid of them. Now, the word get rid of creates a picture in our mind. And you know, the Bible is a, a, it teaches in pictures. It's not as intellectual as it is in intuitive and, and, and it's pictures and things like that that it teaches. So I want to give you a picture of this today. So he says get rid of, so you're walking into the house and you're wearing, wait a minute, here, I'm going to finish getting ready. Maybe. Try again. I'm, I'm fat, okay, so stop it. There we go. So I'm walking in the house, and it's cold outside, and I got my winter coat on, and I'm in now, and so what do I do? I unzip my coat, I take my coat off. Does anybody else do this? You take your coat off, and I fling it away. Well, that's what my boys used to do. They come in, and they flung their coats off, and they got rid of them. They flung them away. See, that's the picture you need to get, though. They don't put them on hangers to wear another time. They take it off and fling away your sins. Get rid of them. The idea is take it off and fling it away. It's not take it off and set it over here in case I want to pick it up and wear it again later. It's take it off and fling it. Get rid of it. And I'm glad to be rid of it. I'm hot. So... <laughs> But that's the picture that Peter is painting for you and me. Get rid of, cast it away, cast those sinful characteristics aside. So last Sunday, I talked about how God called us to live holy as he is holy. Remember me talking about that? He said holiness or perfection, which is the word that is actually there, be you perfect as I am perfect or holy as I am holy, is pretty scary stuff when you think about it as us individuals. Because we realize we're born with sin in our lives, right? We're not born at an even level. No sin, we're just good and everything's good. We're born with sin in our lives. So if the starting line is, is right here, we're back here somewhere. Okay? If you go to a marathon or if you go to a mini or whatever, the elite runners start even. The rest of us start back here somewhere. We're, that's where all of us are at. We're back here somewhere in life. We are born with that original sin in our lives. And we all begin in a mess, all of us. And to be holy simply means I have no sin in my life. That's what holiness actually means. It means without sin. It means perfect. It means nothing. Clean. Perfect. And because I'm born with a sinful nature, it means I have to begin by erasing sin to even get close 
to perfection. So I'm playing a catch-up game right from the very beginning. The issue is that one sin makes me unholy. One sin. It doesn't take a bunch of sins. I don't have to go out and do a bunch of things. One sin makes me unholy. And I'm powerless to right one wrong in my own life. I cannot fix one thing. No matter how hard I try, I can't do one thing. So it takes for me, all it takes for me to be unholy is one sin. Anyone here today? This is the question. You can answer this. Think back on your week. Anybody here this week fall short of perfection? Yeah. Anybody drive down McGalliard and get mad at anybody? Just, just throwing it out there. I mean, because I, I can start with that one. And then I can move on to the others, okay? It's unintentional, a lot of it. Anyone have bad thoughts about someone or something? Anyone get angry? Peter told us last week that the good news is, is that the more we see and the more we know of Jesus Christ, the more we realize how far away from him we are. We realize how imperfect we really are. When we see the perfection of Christ, we see how imperfect we are. And the more I see of Jesus and his perfection, the more I realize how bad and how really broken I am. I gave you the illustration. I wore my Sensei Red jersey that said Johnny Bench on it last week. And I said I wanted to be Johnny Bench when I was a kid growing up. And I first thought, man, one of these days I can be like him. I'll grow and I'll get stronger and I'll be able to throw and I'll be able to hit and I'll be able to run and I'll be able to do what Johnny Bench does and I can catch like him. So I did all those things to try to be Johnny bench but the further i got to it the closer i got to the age where that was true i realized the further i got away from him i couldn't throw like him i couldn't hit like him i couldn't run like him i couldn't catch like him other than that i was exactly like him and that's the way we are with jesus the closer the further the more we get to him the the closer we get to that and see him for who he really is the more we realize i can't do that i'm imperfect i'm broken Jesus is perfect. He's got everything. And I'm broken. I realize how broken I really am. But here's the good news. The more broken I realize I am, the Bible says the more of God's grace that I really need, the more I realize how imperfect I am, the more I grasp or understand the greatness and the absolute grace of God who makes up that difference in my life and who brings me into that place of holiness and perfection. Not by my works, but by His goodness and His grace. Paul said it when he said, where sin increases or where we become more aware of our sins, the more grace increases. Now, that's so awesome. But see, the problem with that is then so many people have said, well, then I can go out and I can just do whatever I want. And that's not what he's telling us. Grace is not a license to sin more. It's telling us the more we see of Jesus and of his perfection, the more I grasp of who Jesus is and what he's done for me. And I see who I am and the more or the greater the distance becomes, the more precious the grace of Jesus becomes to me. And I begin to long for it. I begin to go, wow. And I begin to thank God for what he's done because I look at my life and I say, man, I'm a mess. But you have made up the difference through your grace and your love. So Peter says, in view of all that, in view of the fact that God's grace has covered all of our sins and made us holy, now that you've been given this new life, now that you literally have been made perfect or holy, not by your own works and not literally, but through the grace of God, now that you've been born again and get a new beginning, do whatever is necessary to grow up in this new life. Grow up into this new life. So we have to act on what we know or work out what we know God has done in us. So 1 Peter says, get rid of, cast off malice, 
deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. So we have to rip them out of our lives. What? I was looking at that, and, and I wondered, okay, so those five, why are those five the ones he chose? Why not some other things? You know, I, I got to thinking about some other words that he could have used. and I don't know if things like that ever occur to you, but it does to me. And So I did a little study on this and a little thinking, a little ruminating, a little meditating, and uh, I call that work. It's good. And um, so as I got to thinking about that, I, I, I thought of this. Okay, so go, go with me. In your mind right now, you don't want you to do this, but in your mind, go back to the beginning of the Bible narrative to Genesis. Man was created perfect, even choice, and, and given choice, and he sinned by choosing to do what Satan asked him to do instead of doing what God asked him to do, which was to not eat of that certain tree. He, he chose himself over God. Now, Satan visited them in the garden and convinced this human couple that God was holding out on them. And they could eat the fruit of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil if they wanted to and not die. And here's the thing, Satan was envious of God. He was jealous. There's that word, jealous of God. He held malice or anger in his heart towards God because he wanted to be like God and he could not be God. And he was filled with deceit, so he went out to deceive even then Adam. He came as one who was beautiful and loving to them, but had in mind nothing but to lure them into death and sin. He was filled with hypocrisy. He told Adam and Eve that God was holding out on them, that he just didn't want them to be like him. And so Satan slandered God. So the first couple ate that fruit in disobedience to God, and sin took its toll. Sin always takes a toll in our lives. It wounds our soul. Anytime something happens in your life that is, that is sinful, it's going to put a wound in you every time. I promise you. When somebody makes fun of you, when somebody laughs at you, when your dad uh, does something that he shouldn't have done and calls you a name, when, when, uh, you, know, when, when you have someone steal something from you, uh, it, it always leaves a wound in your soul. You, you all know what I'm talking about. You have felt those wounds at different times. It, it, it cuts like a knife into us, and it ruins us. And it, it, it cuts us open. When we are cut open, these sins, these things begin to enter into us spiritually. And Adam and Eve were wounded. And that day, envy and malice and jealousy and anger and hypocrisy and slander entered into their lives. They literally took on these characteristics of Satan himself. He became part of their life. Later on, Adam and Eve had offspring. They had two boys, Cain and Abel. Anybody ever heard of them before? Cain and Abel. They, they came into this world, and Cain blessed Abel's or God blessed Abel's sacrifice when they were making sacrifices, and he despised Cain's, and Cain becomes angry, and Cain tells God, that's not fair. He slandered God. And he was jealous of Cain, was jealous of Abel's sacrifice and acceptance and he became envious and finally he deceived his family he told them when they asked him where is your brother he said am i my brother's keeper so hip, hip, hypocritical so deceitful and he was had malice in his heart towards his brother he killed his brother he murdered him he murdered him see the woundings of, of adam and eve by their choice to sin passed sin down to their own sons and by the time that the second generation of humans on this earth had grown into adulthood sin led to murder 
because that's what happens when we let sin into our lives. It leads to all these things. These five things are the original sin. They are what make up the original sin. They're, they're the manifestations, if you will, of the original sin in our lives. And all of us, we each one have to deal with these things because they're woundings. They're things that are going on in each one of us. And sin has passed it down to us from our parents and then trace it all the way back to Adam and Eve. Those sins have been passed down to all of us from Adam and Eve, which will undermine all the spiritual growth in our lives and even take our spiritual, our spiritual life if we'll tolerate it, if we'll allow it. It will take everything that we have. It will steal us blind. And, and i got to tell you the truth. They don't go away when you get older. You know, I used to think, well, when I got older, I wouldn't have so much anger. That's not true. Anger doesn't go away because you get old. In fact, I think I know a lot more old, angry people than I do young, angry people. <laughs> I think a lot, of, a lot of people who aren't Christians are angry when they're older because they're old and because nobody's paying any attention to them kind of thing, you know, and there's no future kind of feeling. So it doesn't go away when we get old. We don't quit having envy when we get old. We still look at people and envy what they are over what we are. We still do all these things. We're still hypocritical. I know hypocritical old people. I love how Peter gave us this list because it's the danger list. When Darcy babysits on Tuesdays, she babysits for Ellie and Jameson up in Marion at my son's house. And when she goes in there, they've given her the danger list. They don't call it that, but that's what it is. She's been told, don't put a blanket in his crib. He could suffocate. Darcy's never raised any children, you know. He keeps forgetting that he was once an infant, I think. You know, don't do certain things. That could happen. Don't give Ellie any eggs. She's allergic. And there's this danger list. And the list is not real long, but there is a danger list. I think too often we have our own list that we put out there is what we think the danger list for Christians should look like. And, and, and our church has done that prolifically and unfortunately because we say things like, well, you know, don't do this, don't cuss so much, and don't drink so much, and don't lie so much. And, you know, all these things that we do are just behavior modification. They don't really change anything from the inside. You know, you don't have to become a Christian to do those things, to not do those things, I should say. You know, I, I can I not do certain things, and everybody thinks, wow, look at him. Must be a Christian. And I can go home and look at porn. I can go home and be angry. I can go home and be envious. I don't even have to go home to be envious. I can live with all the sin in the world still inside me and change my behavior on the outside. But the problem is we never get to the root of the issue. Peter is not calling us to behavior modification. It's much more than that. He is saying that there's a danger list. And there are sins and attitudes and spiritual woundings inside of all of us that have taken hold and have to be dealt with if we're going to thrive. And if we don't deal with them, then we will end up finding ourselves afraid and cynical and angry and selfish and bitter. And these unloving attitudes or these unloving spirits will undermine what Christ has already done in your heart. And you'll find yourself reverting back to the old you. You will find yourself going back to your self-centered ways of interaction with people unless you deal with these because these are the sins of the human nature. 
And you have to get rid of them. They have to be cast away like I did my coat. They can't be hung up and maybe I'll go back there later. They need to be flung clear away. And it's a choice we can make with what to do with them. And the question then is how? How do I cast these things from my life? And the first thing is this. We need to notice that all these attitudes are, first of all, unloving. Every one of them is unloving. And I've just hit you up pretty good with what Jesus is. He is Jesus is love, right? His whole essence, his being is love. And these are unloving. So these are unchristlike attitudes and spirits. They are opposite of love. Jesus is love. All this carnful, carnal, sinful nature is the opposite of who Jesus is. They're selfish attitudes which like to get you to believe that you are what you are by your own merit or that you're more important than others. They are attitudes, they're spirits that love to convince you you deserve so much more than what people are letting you have, and it's unfair. We have to see that these are not behavior modification issues. These are soul issues, and you have to get to the source of love. You have to ask Him for help. You and I cannot do this on our own. This is where grace kicks in. We have to go to Jesus and ask Him to help us deal with these to change from our envy to love. I cannot get rid of them by behaving better. I have to be in agreement with God that I want them changed. And I have to pray that prayer. Change my heart, O oh Lord, from jealousy to love. And I have to make a conscious choice. It's my choice. It's not your choice for me. It's my choice. And I have to make a choice to change, to lay down control over who I am so that God can do in me what he wants to do. And what does that look like? It means looking closely at your life and why you're angry and envious and jealous because when we have those things, there's a reason for that. And we need to ask, what in the world is going on in here that I would be that way? It means coming to a clear understanding of the reality of the fact that these sins are actually real in your life. And it's coming, to them, uh, coming with them to Jesus and acknowledging you have no power to deal with them alone and giving them to him to deal with for you. And it's asking him this, to clean out all the junk in your life and allowing the Holy Spirit to fill you up in its place with love. Fill me up, Lord, with your love. Fill me up with your love. Take away all this garbage. Take away all this envy. Take away all this hatred. Take away all this malice. Take away all this hypocrisy. And fill me up with your love. And secondly, it's this. It's doing the hard work of asking who you're angry with and forgiving them. And this is the part where it gets sticky. Most people are okay with going to God and saying, can you help me? That part is easy, easy, easy for us. But now we get into the tough part because now we have to look deep inside of us and say, what's going on? Who am I angry with? And then I have to forgive. It means looking at the times when you've attempted to deceive and asking, why have I allowed hypocrisy and deception into my life? And maybe it was because you wanted to feel better about who you are. And you're walking around and somebody's made you feel bad. And somebody's made you feel like less than. And so you're walking around faking it. And you buy better clothes and you put on better shoes. And you're walking around going, I got my act together now. And, and you're faking it and you're acting like that. Why are you acting like that? And the answer is simply because you have never dealt with that person back here. And you need to go back to that person and forgive. And say, it's not about that. It's, maybe it's because you believe in, you're believing Satan's lies about how you're not as good as another person 
We just talked about the fact that we're chosen people, but, but, you know, a lot of us are walking around, and people have told us you're not as good as. Anybody here ever been told you're not as good as? I had, uh, I had someone, my dad actually, tell me one time that your name is Dill, so you won't amount to anything. You're not as good as. They told me that repeatedly. That's hard to overcome that. You have to do some stuff to overcome that. You got to get rid of that lie. And remember that I'm a chosen son of God. I'm his. You know, my name isn't Dill. My name is son of God. I am son of God. I am chosen. I am his. I'm a righteous son or daughter of God himself. We have to understand God forgives sin, but we have to get serious about changing what we've allowed to live in us. I love the fact that God forgives me of my sin, but that's not enough. There's got to be something done inside of me. I've got to do the work of changing me. I've got to work out my salvation. That's what that means. I've got to get rid of those things that are allowing, that's been allowed to live in me. And by the power of God living in you and me, we can change our attitudes and we can get rid of sin and we can become real and honest and filled with his love instead. We can cast those things aside and we can invite the Holy Spirit to live inside of us and change us completely. Because the truth, according to the teaching of the word, is we are created to be God's children. You're not just created for any old random reason. You weren't created to just work in a factory. You weren't created to just be a bank president. You weren't created to just be a tattoo artist. You were created to be God's child. We are, according to Peter, a royal priesthood. And that means that we are to serve. And it says that you're royal priesthood and kings. We are to serve and to rule over sin and to rule over all the things in this world. We are to bring Jesus to this world. We are to represent him, to serve as Jesus' representatives. When we go out into the world, we don't go out as just people. We go out as the representatives, the sons and daughters of the God Most High. And when we do things, we do them in his name because we are a royal priesthood. And we have to see that this is truth so we can change and believe and live out the truth about ourselves if we're ever going to thrive. If we don't believe this, if you sit down here today and take this knowledge and this ideas that I'm passing your way and say, oh well, that was a nice sermon, it's never going to change you. It has to be done. You have to take it to heart and begin to do it. And when you do, you're going to do more than thrive. You're going to explode. Your heart's going to take off. God's going to begin to use you to do things that you never dreamed possible. And this has nothing to do with your outside activities. It has everything to do with your heart activity and who you really are on the inside. We have to choose what we're going to be. And I want to real briefly say the second thing about this is that we have to, if we're going to thrive, we've got to learn to eat right. How many of you know when you go to the grocery store, there's two aisles? There's the fresh fruit, fresh vegetables aisle, and there's the Little Debbie's Hostess ding-dong aisle anybody ever notice that and, and, and you know what i've noticed that people in fitness clothes are in the fruit and vegetable aisle and the rest of us are in the tostito ding-dong aisle i think there's a, a lesson there you know you are what you eat and the Bible's really clear here. Peter's really clear here that, that, that if you're going to thrive, if you're really truly going to become what he has made you to be, once you've cast off sin and, and dealt with all this stuff, 
you got to get into the Word. And I mean into it. It can't be a casual skimming off. You know, if we're not careful, I watch kids. They go in and they, they, they'll, they'll take the icing off the top of the cupcake and leave the cupcake. Anybody ever notice that? What's with that, you know? Uh, or or they'll, they'll eat, you know, something like maybe the gravy and leave the potatoes or I don't know, whatever they do. Well, you know what? We do that spiritually. We're taking the milk. We're taking the word and we skim off the top. John 3, 16. Maybe, maybe a couple of other verses that we really like. And we skim those off and we say, there, I'm reading the word. But we don't go any further than that. We need to get into the word all the way. We need to go down deep. We need to just be desiring, craving, pulling it in. And you know what? Here's the deal. The more you eat of the word, the more you want of the word. The reason that a lot of people are starving to death spiritually is because they've never really delved into it and begin to eat and understand and just let it become them until it feeds their soul and they begin to thrive and explode. Wow. I, uh, I want to see us thrive. As a church, I want to see us not just bounce along and get along. I'm thankful for some of the things we're doing. I love the dinners. That's such a good idea, Shelly. Great job, and all of you thought of that. I, I loved that, yeah, last Sunday. That was so much fun. And, and I really enjoy the fact that, you know, we're making some physical changes in the church. It's good. I love the fact that we got Miss Brandy to help with the youth, uh, children now and, and uh, some new things that are happening with that. It's all good. But you know, if that's all we do, it's not going to change anything. It's not going to change anything. We're just going to go along and sooner or later there'll be other changes and sooner or later there'll be other changes, but nothing much will happen. If we really want to see the church come alive, if we really want to thrive, it starts inside of each of our hearts as we take the sins that I listed those five things, and as we deal with it, as we go deep, and as we deal with that, and as we deal with it through the Word, as we delve down deep into the milk of the Word, as we eat that, and as we allow that to change us, that's what's going to change the church. That's what changes the atmospheres in the church. When I come in here, and my heart is filled with praise for the Lord, and I've been in His Word all week long, and I've been hearing Him speak to me, and He has helped me deal with something that happened in the past, and I'm being set free, and I walk in here, I can't help it. I'm just going to be singing, and I'm going to be praising God. And I don't care. I'll be like Elf, you know. I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care, I don't care who knows about it. You know, I'll be that way about God. I'll just, I'll just be serving Him, and my hands will be up, and I'll just be, thank you, Lord. You know, and, and, if, and if I don't do that, if I'm just going through the motions, if I'm not digging down deep, if I'm not really going down and getting into the milk, if I'm not really going all the way down, if I'm not dealing with the sin in my heart, if I'm just saying, well, I'm forgiven, and, and it's grace, and it's all, what? If I live like that, when I come in here, I'm going to go, you know, it's just another church service. I want to go deep. I want to go deep. I want you to go deep with me. I want us to just drink deeply of all that God has for us. I want us to be a church. I, I really truly believe that God wants us to be a church 
who drinks and eats so deeply of the Word of God and who goes so deep in dealing, dealing with sin that we're cleansed and we're righteous and we're a holy church. And so we go out as royal priesthood and we begin to love people and we take Jesus' love out. And guess what? When we take Jesus' love out, we'll bring people in who are messed up and need Jesus and they'll get him. They'll find him. They'll find him. That's what I want to be. That's what I think the church was called to be. Well, we've been at this long enough today, and I will take a little stop here. Thank you for being here. I hope you're hearing this. Right now in your hearts, where you're living at, as you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment, if God is speaking to your heart about anything, would you just deal with it right now where you're at? Would you just say, okay, Lord, I'm going to deal with this. It's not about behavior modification. I'm not talking to you about what you do or don't do. I'm talking to you about Will you deal with the five things, the sin, of the, the sin of Adam and Eve, the sin of the original sin, the, the envy and murder and, and all those things. Will you deal with that in your heart today? And you go, well, I don't do that, and that's fine. But have you dealt with all the other things, the things people have done to you? Have you gone back and sought to forgive and to love and to put things right so that you can live free? So... Right now where you're at, just say, Lord, help me. I want to deal with that. And then secondly, have you been drinking deeply? And I don't mean, have you been reading your little devotional book? I mean, have you been going into the Word and drinking deeply? Because you need it. And if you're not sure how to do that, talk to me. Let me help you. Because we need it. We need to drink deeply. So Jesus, right now, thank you for being here with us and thank you for the, the hope that we have and thank you for your presence. And Lord, right now, just, just move in our hearts and our lives, Lord. And Lord, right now, there's some of us who are still dealing with those things. We, we know that our hearts are filled with envy and anger and deceit and hypocrisy and malice. And we're walking around and uh, throwing a fit about it and lord we just need you so forgive us lord and lord those of us who know you and have come to accept you as our savior many of us are still walking around with all that stuff inside of us we haven't really gone deep we haven't dealt with it we haven't cast it aside help us lord right now to begin to work at casting that aside getting rid of it we don't want to live with that we want to be free so that your holy spirit can fill us so that we can be loved so that we can be a royal priesthood and people who make a difference in this world. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for the, the beauty of it. Thank you for the, the correction in it. Thank you for the truth of it. Thank you for the guidance that I get from it. Don't ever let me take it for granted or take it lightly. Make it become a living reality in everything that I do. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do. And it's in your name that I ask all these things. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Have a great week this week. And let God speak to your hearts. Get down deep and eat a lot of good food this week. A lot of good stuff in there. Eat deeply.